Welcome to Hey Girl. I'm your host, Bill Janice. Join me every week where I sit down with one of my amazing and talented friends who are experts in their field, and we have a little chat. I'd really love to talk to you about your personal struggles and personal experiences with body image. Yeah, absolutely. It started at a very young age. Um, And, you know, and I want to say, I've mentioned a few times in this interview about my dad and not necessarily painting him in the the greatest light. And my dad's no longer with us and he can't defend himself. So I want to say that, like, my dad and I have made amends before he passed away. And my dad, I think that when I look back on my childhood and everything. I think my dad was just trying to protect me and give me the best life that he knew how to provide. Sure, sure, So, but that said, my dad did say some things to me and my brother when we were growing up that has affected me. And to this day, it still affect me. Long-term, yeah. Long-term. Yeah, Yeah, and and that was when I was, a. so again, right? So we've talked about coming out and the issues that I struggled with being in the Midwest with with being gay. and then also I, I briefly mentioned that I was molested by a family member, not my dad, um, but by a family member between the ages of about eight and 10. Well, at the same time that the, all of this is happening, my dad said to me that I was fat and ugly in more or less words. And yeah. that yeah. was tough because my dad, it was definitely a product of the nineties health craze. Everything was fat free and he was sure. very regimented. And I definitely get some characteristics from him as far as like being regimented with diet and exercise um, that has just been dr- kind of drilled into me. Um, but when that when he said that, that hurt. And, and my immediate reaction was of I wanted course. to rebel against that. Oh my that. gosh. Yeah, I wanted to rebel against what he said. And I was like, well, I'm going to be fat. I'm going to be ugly, blah, 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 blah. But then, of course, as you start getting into middle school and you're growing up and you're feeling yourself out it's like you want to be attractive you want to be literally and you can be yeah yeah and but also it's important for people to know that you absolutely can be attractive and be any size like you people can be attractive at any size any skin color any ability like there is beauty in, in in diversity in all of this right like and so it's unfortunate that it was instilled into me that I had to be a certain way, a certain size, a certain type to be attractive. And that's something that I've struggled with my entire life. And I know that some people kind of roll their eyes when I talk about this because they look at me being like this white gay guy and I'm grouped into a lot of these very vapid people sometimes that have not been very kind, who I'm sure probably also deal with their own insecurities, but probably never talk about it publicly. But, um, but yeah, so once so once I started hitting middle school, high school, that's where like the yo-yo weight, like I'd drastically lose weight and I would do all sorts of unhealthy things to lose weight. I was, I don't want to say I was bulimic because I know that that's like an actual disorder that people experience or I don't, maybe it's even considered a disease. Um, I was able to stop it. And from my understanding, it's something that people still struggle with or struggle with their whole life. So I don't want to sit there and say I was bulimic, but I definitely experimented with that type of behavior in high Not school. Sure. Um, I over-exercised. I, um, 
And then, and then the opposite of that, I would, you know, I would do all these really extreme things and then I would stop cold, cold Turkey and I would just eat all the time and not exercise and not do anything. And, um, it was just a vicious cycle and it was so hard for me. And then of course you're then being fed all of these things about diets and, you know, do the Atkins diet or do the South beach diet or do, you know, what it was that people do now, keto or whatever. And, you know, by the way, I'm like no health and wellness expert. I do work for the, again, I work for the YMCA. So like I, it's a health and wellness facility. So I, I'm grateful that I have access to some, um, uh, things that help me understand some resources. Wellness. Yeah. Some resources. Course, yeah. yeah. Um, but I'm, I'm, I myself, I'm not a health and wellness expert. So like, I, I always get weird when people like ask me <laughs> for advice. I'm like, don't, don't ask me. But, um, Would you- yeah, but yeah, I, it's just been, it's, it was a journey my whole life that I've, I struggled with. So. Well, yeah, no, I mean, I get that. I mean, but I mean, you must take it as a compliment that people maybe come to you for the advice because they see that you've been successful in your own personal journey yeah. to get to where you are now. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And it is a huge compliment and I'm always happy to help people, um, with the resources that I used, you know, so, so my friend Kara is a dietitian, and she was the one that helped me. Um, cause I've, I've loved exercising for quite a long time. I would say for the last 10 years, I've regularly exercised. Um, I personally love it. I know not everyone does, but I, it's just something to keep me active and it gets, it, it does it not only physically, but it mentally, it helps me out and just, I, I personally enjoy it. Um, but when I reach out to her, because I just wanted to, I was like, I just feel like I, I need, I can be better about eating, not just in the sense of like, I wanted to lose some weight at the time, but I was just like, I feel like I need to just be a more balanced in my life in general. Um, sure, sure. and so that was super helpful. And then I was lucky enough to befriend someone who is super, super close to me. His name is Jeff. And I often share his stuff on my page. Um, Jeff, Jeff Beach, uh, RED registered dietitian shout out. Um, Yay, Jeff Beach. Yeah. But um he has also been a huge instrumental um uh part in in you know helping me learn how to eat, which is really bizarre, right? One of the most natural things that we can do is eat. We don't we aren't taught how to eat right. a balanced diet and how that affects. Right. Well us. I think yeah, totally. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. No, I think that the I think that the narrative um in media is is the workout method um uh, method and strategy. It's like yeah, that's part of it, but I think obviously as you know and and we know that nutrition is just as big if not bigger a part of that journey if you're trying to get into a specific physical shape. Right. Yeah, absolutely. But and- we don't get but my point is that we don't we are not always given that knowledge. We're not always given those tools about nutrition. You're not. We're yeah. only told you need to get on the treadmill. You need to get on the stairmaster. You need to run a, this many miles a day. And if you don't, you're lazy. Yep. And it doesn't help when you and have all. These, you know what I mean? Yeah. And it doesn't help that when you have these health and wellness influencers saying like, "Do this exercise, or drink this shake, or take this supplement, and you're going to look like me." When that's not right, the case right, at all. Right. Like, right. you know, it's very, One, you got to find what works for you too. Absolutely. Absolutely. 
And so that all said, growing up in the LGBTQ community, specifically the gay community, having that body image, it's tough, right? Because like in the 80s, that's where like the whole like buff body Adonis mentality really started. Really originated. Yeah. Yeah. Because you, because gay men wanted to look like that because it meant that they were healthy. Attractive. And, and, and well, healthy. Att- attractive. Or, and healthy. Well, healthy. Yeah. You're right. Because of, because the, of the AIDS ep- epidemic. And yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so, and so that, which now, therefore meant that they were available, safe, and attractive. Exactly. And that has yeah. stayed with us. And it has, yeah. It has. Isn't it crazy how long it can take to break a certain mentality it's, for, within a community? It's so it's so fucked. Sorry, I cussed. That's okay. <laughs> no. Well, but do you ever find let me ask you this, because I, I, I don't want to talk too much about me. Um, but um I, I share a lot of the sentiments and a lot of a lot of the challenges that you brought up. Mm-hmm. I've personally yo-yoed and or roller coastered my way uh, in in regards to my physical physique. Yeah, um, you know, and I was a I was a professional dancer for years, so if I always felt like if I wasn't getting the pressure from the gay community to look a certain way, mm-hmm. I was getting it from the show business community because that was like my livelihood. I had to look a certain way in order to work. Right. Um, and this wasn't something that came natural to me. I mean, I, I, and again, my, I hope you don't mind. I'll share something, but yeah, um, please. my, my, my mother is no longer with us either. Mm-hmm. And I know she was in retrospect. I know she was doing the best she knew how to do at the time, yeah. but she used to say some very hurtful things as well. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I remember even being in like, fifth grade elementary school and her taking me to a doctor to get diet pills. Cause she said, I, I, I needed to lose weight and like those types of things that even though it didn't come from a malicious place, if anything, I think she thought she was coming from love. Um, it, it stays with you. Yeah. You know, like you, you, you then say to yourself, I'm not good enough. If I look like this, mm-hmm. I won't be loved. If I look like this. Yep. I will never be successful if I look like this. Yep. And then you put these impossible um, expectations on yourself sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, and then sometimes you get so overwhelmed that you do fail because you're, you just get stressed out. And then you go towards the, the comfort food or the comfort whatever, you know, or mm-hmm. whatever it looks like for, for everybody, you know. Yeah. And um, so I'm just saying I can relate to the fact of, of – it being kind of instilled, mentally instilled and mentally programmed in myself from a very young age that um, in order to be loved and successful, you must look a certain way. And if you don't, then you're a failure. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's something that my friend Jeff, my friend Kara, and also my other friend, Kyle, who's also a dietitian. Kyle uh, stands very shout out. <laughs> oh, hey, girl. Um, hey, Kyle. Hey, hey girl. <laughs> Um, Send me all of their infos because I will tag them all. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So all of them have been just so instrumental in having conversations with me about how so many things affect, you know, people's weight and health and nutrition and diet and obesity and things like that. And that's why I always, when people come to me and ask me, you know, for advice regarding health and wellness, I always recommend dietitians. And I especially recommend those three, because those are the three that I've had personal 
and professional relationships with as far as sure, sure. these things. And I'm like, I understand that not that money is tight for a lot of people right now. I mean, myself included, but like, we look at these as like an investments, right? And, and what's, we want to invest in ourselves. And I'm like, don't look at it from like, and again, actually, I don't think any of them necessarily specialize in weight loss. That's not what their specialty is. And also I want to say that dietitians, these are people that go to school, not like a, they, it's not like an online course and get a certificate. They are right. It's not like the, per, the, the, the physical trainers that have like maybe their, NASM certification that they got over a couple weeks. And that's beneficial. I'm not. Absolutely. Right. You need to have that. I'm just agreeing with you. Yep. Absolutely. But these, these people, they go to school and I believe it's considered a master's degree for most of them um, to be able to, they have to go through clinical work and everything. It's a very rigorous and an intense thing. So they know what they're talking about and is what I'm trying to say. (laughs) And and, um, (laughs) it's just, it's super beneficial to, to do it because I mean, you, Again, this kind of ties back into, you know, when we're being, when we're growing up being LGBTQ and we're unsure of our place in the world, we're thinking that we're not worth it. You are worth it and your health is worth it. And, right. you know, I, for me, I was like, I would rather invest the money or the time and the energy now while I'm still relatively young at a mere 26 <laughs> um, at plus 10 years. Um <laughs> But, but investing Honey, now. Look, for, first of all, you really do look like you would be 26. Oh, so thank don't, you. Don't act, yeah, yeah, really <laughs> thank you. But I, um, but I would rather invest in that now versus having major health issues down the road. And so it's just, it's super great. And so I just always encourage people like, you know, if you're, if you're interested in diet and nutrition and you want just want to lead a healthier lifestyle, whatever that means for you seek out a dietitian because it is so worth it in the long run. It, I, the uh, information that I've uh, received just within the last six months is mind blowing. So highly recommend. Oh, that's great. Well, what is your take? This might be a little bit more of a difficult question, Okay, but um, what is your take on our community's stance on physical appearance? Oh yeah. That is a tough question. Um, because uh, I mean, I guess I don't even think I need to explain. I know you know what I'm trying to ask. Mm-hmm. It's just, I think that there are, as, as gay men and women, um, and, and forgive me, try everybody in the community. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, I'm not trying to be uh, exclude, exclude, exclude anybody, mm-hmm. but we are, we are supposed to be, hold on, give me a second. I might get in trouble for saying what I'm about to say, but I'm just going to say it. Say it. We we are the we are we are branded uh-huh. as <laughs> the the in the community of inclusion. Sure. I don't personally feel that happens hundred percent of the time. I don't think any sometimes of us- I think that even members of our own community feel bullied, mm-hmm. feel rejected, and actually unwelcome mm-hmm. because of their physical appearance. Mm-hmm. I would love to know your take on that. Absolutely. And I, and I think, I think a lot of us feel that way. Um, for our physical appearance, ableism is a huge, is a huge deal. I have, you know, I'm so fortunate. I don't know if you follow Spencer West. I'm like name dropping all these people right now, but like, girl, go ahead. Promote girl. But like we're, we're on the Hey Girl podcast. Go ahead. Spencer, promote girl. <laughs> Spencer West has been really eye opening for me as far as educating, um, 
uh, things about ableism and disabilities within the LGBT community. If you don't know who he is, check him out on TikTok and Instagram. He is such an amazing, I mean, he does it all with such grace, but like, I can't imagine what that must be like to be a, a person with a disability and just be scrutinized and, and things like, and just constantly questioned, right? Like, it, and it's probably a very polarizing experience polarizing. because you don't feel like you fit in anywhere. Yeah. And so you pair, I mean, so you've got ableism, you've got body shaming and body, you know, this whole people judging you for your appearance and all of these things. It's, it's tough. And I, I have to say, I, you've got people on like like apps that say like no femmes, no fats, right. no whatever. Which, it's like we we're supposed to be the community of inclusion, which I know sounds great on paper with a big pretty bow. Yeah, I but I also know that we're all we're all experiencing the human experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and and you can't you can't be the community of inclusion only when it's convenient. Right. Exactly. And I. People always try to pray, play the preference card, and I get that to a degree. Like, we right. all have preferences, right? Whether that is nature, nurture, it's usually a mix of both. It's how we're sure. raised. But there are certain things that we can unlearn, right? And unlearning is really important, especially in this day and age. And oh, so, I love that we said that, yes. Yeah, and so you have to learn and understand that if you sit there and say, oh, it's my, pre-, like, I don't like, I'm just using this as an, as an example. Like, if people say, I don't like, black guys it's just my preference well you're excluding an entire community of people based solely on their skin color you know what i'm saying that they have no control over that they have no control and over you're, and you're giving yourself the permission yeah to say something like that by just simply saying it's just quote unquote it's just a preference it and it's such girl. a cop, it's such, <laughs> right, girl it's such a cop-out because it's just like you know you're it, you're allowing, you're giving yourself permission. You're giving yourself a free pass. Right. And I think that that is, is unfortunate. I will say, so, and I told you I, I, I have kind of a hot take that I don't see people talking about. Talk. Let's go. There is a, a flip side to this where there are people who feel othered. And I don't want to put words in anyone's mouths, but this is where, this is where, especially when it comes to like, um, this comes out more aligned with body positivity and, 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 you know, body types. I see a lot of people who feel like they are not the idyllic body. Right. And I'm using idyllic in quotes because everyone's different, but I think that we, you and I, and a lot of our listeners know that what is worshiped in, not just in the gay community, but in, in but what is celebrated in it's society celebrated in general. are these rock hard, it. yeah. Rock hard athletic bodies. Right. Yeah, we get it. Like we know society, not just our community, but society in general celebrates youth and beauty. Yes, absolutely. And so we celebrate these bodies. And what I have personally experienced is there are these people who only chase these body, these types of people with these types of bodies and victimize themselves when these types of people aren't interested for whatever reason and they and they want to be like you need to be body positive blah 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 but i'm not seeing these people go after anyone that looks like themselves they are strictly chasing that type of demographic and that to me mm. is also problematic in a way because i'm like you're trying to act like you're this i don't know i don't know if it's a social justice warrior thing or what but i was like you're not 
I was like, you're doing the same thing that you're upset with people for doing. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's yeah, there's some pop- hypocrisy there. It's a lot of hypocrisy. Sure. So I so I get really frustrated with that. Um, but just in general, I mean, like, I get that we all have preferences, but. You, it's important to learn where those preferences come from. And if it... Yes. Oh, I love the way you said that. Yes. You know, yeah. and it's... And it's, and you're not going to learn that overnight. We need to stop expecting people to learn all of these things and right. uh, learn or unlearn <laughs> things in a matter of days or weeks, right? This is going to... It takes time to figure these things out and to unlearn. But it is good to be intentional about it. And, and you know, and so... I, I think that our community needs to, I I do feel like at least in the circles that I see on my algorithms, because I'm mostly active on Instagram, I do see a lot of, a a lot of progress. Yes. But there is a lot of performative activism as well. It is. Yeah. And I'll agree with you on that. So, I mean, yes, moving forward is forward, Mm -hmm. but I think it's valuable to bring up some of the other things that we just brought up as well. Absolutely. But yeah, I, but that, but that said, like, I, I am, I feel like I'm very aware. I'm like probably too self-aware of like all of the social movements and things like that, because I, all I feel like as this influencer and you, and you mentioned it earlier um, that, you know, I'm an influencer. I, I don't view myself as that just yet because I don't, I, I have not, I've not had any financial gain from my page and I, I've always been under the impression that you have to have a certain type of, a certain follower amount to be considered an influencer. I'm not there yet. So I, okay. I don't know. So I, I like struggle with that word. But so what do you, what do you, if you it. don't want to, if, okay, if it's, if it's not influencer, what do you typically uh, refer to yourself as? A pop culture invigorator. Oh, hey, girl. Ooh, I like that. I like that. Yeah, yeah. I got that a little bit. I think I'm going to name the title Pop Cult Girl Innovator. There you go. Because you don't have to have have the word girl as a pun in every title. Perfect. I love that. That's perfect. Pop girl. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, you have to think about it. I know. I was like, I was like. It doesn't roll off the tongue. (laughs) Exactly. I'm just like tripping over my words. Um, no, I did, I did it too. You saw my face. I had to think about yeah, it. Yeah, we were like, wait, what? 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 Like, like I said, audience, this is us the first time first having time. this kind of like, yeah. kind of, okay, so let me ask you this. Having said all of that mm-hmm. and everything that we've talked about in regards to body image, we know, we know as spiritual people, wait, actually, let me ask that. Do you identify yourself as more of a spiritual person or a religious person? That is a really great question, actually. So I, again, I grew up in a very religious house. I, I had three different Christian denominations in my household growing up. So I, I went to a Lutheran school. I, my dad's side of the family is Catholic and um, my stepdad's side of the family is Seventh-day Adventist. And they're all very different beliefs. So I was very comfortable discussing and, and debating religion growing up. I should say Christian religions growing up. Okay, um, sure, sure. And so, um, and I, I thought I believed, I thought I was a religious person. I, and then for a while I was like, I don't believe anything. Now that I'm getting older, and I don't know if it's just like me trying to like have a 
you know, more peace of mind as, you know, as you get older, I feel like life just gets more stressful. So I'm, I'm starting to teeter towards more of a spiritual approach. I don't know what that means. I know that sounds very like blase fair, but it's just, I, I definitely think it feels like that there's a higher power or a higher energy, whether that's governing us or helping us or what, that's just how it feels. But I haven't investigated that far, but so I would say I'm teetering more towards spiritual um, I don't identify as religious, although I do find a lot of religion fascinating. Um, I, I personally don't necessarily consider myself religious per se. Sure. Yeah, I get that. I mean, listen, like, I think as I mentioned earlier, uh, I grew up in a very structured religious organized religion, um, environment. Mm-hmm. And, um, so I can relate. And, uh, I, I personally, I, I, I feel like this sounds cliche that like this where you're where people are like i am spiritual not religious and it's just so it's been said so many times but i do on its on its merit is true like that's at least how i feel like because i i personally went through so many years of organized religion that um where there were a lot of benefit to it Mm -hmm. there was a lot of um exclusivity and bias and a lot of things that, that that's a whole nother conversation type thing, yeah. you know, but, um, so for me personally, I, 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 I definitely do believe that there is a higher power out there. Mm-hmm. We don't, we don't know what it is. Yeah. I, I personally believe that, um, <laughs> our higher selves guide us and, um, that we can, you know, meditate and there's different energies. I believe in energy fields mm-hmm. and people's vibrations. So, um, I think that falls more into the category of being more spiritual. Yeah. I don't personally like to subscribe to any sort of narrative or idea that usually comes from organized religion that if you're this way, we need to hate you. You know right. what I mean? Right. Absolutely. And I'm, and I'm the same way. I, I, I dislike organized religion because of that, because of these yeah. ideal ideals that, you know, if you are a certain way, then you are sinful, immoral, and going to hell or whatever right. horrible afterlife you believe in. Yeah, I don't like right. that. So. <laughs> so considering everything that we've already talked about in regards to body image, our community, religion, spirituality, coming out, accepting yourself, loving yourself, all these these ideals and things that I think are very valuable and things that, yes, we are always, we should always be preaching to ourselves and to our peers that you need to love yourself from within first before you can experience any other amount of abundance and love from anyone else. Right. Mm -hmm. What is your take on, again, our community that tends to exclude people that are potentially overweight or or are older or at a different stage in their life. Like, um, I, I'm curious what your take on that is. Yeah, I'm. I think it's hypocritical, and it's it's hypocritical, and it's really unfortunate that for whatever reason people have these really shameful, hateful views on certain things. Um, and do you th- find it to be intentional or do you think it's just subconscious old programming? I think I definitely feel probably more of the latter. I'm sure you're, okay. you're always, which is actually go ahead. It's not to make it better, but that's at least a, a little yeah. encouraging yeah. Like to, rather than to think that somebody's deliberately like, Oh, 
you don't have a six pack, you can't come to my pool party. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. And I definitely feel like they're always going to, you're always going to have some like intentional bad apples out there. Right. There's these people who are just right. There's not one size fits all answer here. I'm just curious what what your take on it. But as far as like, I do think that there's a lot of old programming that we are trying to unlearn. And that's what's really great about social media is that you do have a lot of resources at your fingertips, but it's important that people know how to use them the right way and know and low. I like this is something, and this is someone as a meme creator that I cannot stand. Don't use memes as your sources of information. Like you don't use <laughs> yes, memes. Very true. Don't use memes. Don't use anything on Instagram as your source of information. Let that thing that you found that jived with you, that resonated with you be the catalyst that makes you go research further and inform pro- your own opinion and inform your own opinion. It's so easy for people on social media to share quick, you know, blurbs here and there that they will half read. People want to always sit there and say that they've read it all. No, they did not. They don't. They read headlines. They, you read headlines. Yeah. You will read one or two slides in a story. You're not going through people. And with- they can be written in such an ambiguous way that it could be interpreted in yeah. multiple ways. Yeah. yeah. Instead, go to that last slide that you've of the thing that you shared. Go to the sources part and then actually read the sources. And I'm saying that as someone who I don't always do that either, right? We're all human beings. We've got we're all busy. We've got lives. We don't have time to research 24/7, right? But it is important because you have a lot of people who'd love to get on social media and act like they are holier than thou and that they are like these ultimate social justice warriors. And I'm like, well, hold on, you're not actually. And this is what that's why I brought up the performative active the performative activism earlier, because I have a lot of acquaintances, I'll say, that love to do that and love to act like they are these super informed people and they love to call out people and that's all fine and dandy. Like I appreciate people trying to educate others, but at the end of the day, I, when I know, like, you know, know them on a somewhat personal level and I know for a fact that they are not like that. And I'm just kind of like, what are you doing? You know, you're just, you're you're doing this for clout. And so, um, but yeah, I, I think that is that all said, it is important that we take those tools and, do some unlearning when you can yeah. and, and be intentional with that. And it's going to take time. Mm-hmm. It really will. I mean, we, we mentioned that earlier. I think that, mm-hmm. you know, some of these, um, I can't, I, I really hate to keep using the same word, but there's no better word, but these old programs, yeah. you know, yeah. <laughs> um, take time to take time to, to, you know, relearn. Um, and I mean, so what is the solution? I think that t- to that question is the solution that, uh, you know, we have to start, we have, to, we, we preach inclusivity, but we also have to start actually taking action. Mm-hmm. I think that, but I think that's the responsibility on everybody. I think that's the responsibility on the media. Mm-hmm. I think that's the responsibility in things like this conversations, like we're having, um, and you know, it just—I don't know how I want to say this. I feel like it's important to have—it's important to have conversation. It's important to have conversation and let people give people. And this is this is where I see too a lot of this is like people are going to mess up and say the wrong thing or say something that's problematic, but are trying to do better. And I do, and right. I and I will say I do feel like at least in the circles that I've seen. On, on my Instagram algorithms and whatever, 
it seems like people are trying to be better. They're not perfect. Which I agree. Yes. They're not perfect. And I think that we need to let people, we need to, we have to hold space. We need to hold space for that. that. Absolutely. Because it, because there, especially when tensions get really high, there's a lot of people who try to act like, how dare you say that you're problematic, you're canceled. And I'm like, hold on. If we really want, if we really want people to learn and educate themselves and be an ally, even then there our, needs to be the conversation. Exactly. And yeah. we need to have that conversation. And it's and it's not just one conversation. It's going to be multiple, probably. It's going to be many, yeah. It's going to be many. And and we need to start that within ourselves, in our yes. own communities as well. Like, it's not, yeah. like, me as a white, cisgender, able-bodied, you know, hot, attractive gay man, I, I have to unlearn certain things that I've been taught. Again, as we've talked in this conversation, you know, me growing up, believing attractiveness is one way uh, you know believing health right. is one way and you know, i have and, and believing that if you are those things you deserve more exactly or, yeah because you then project those ideas all, not only on yourself but on other people as well and so it's important sure. it so i think that's why it's like having these conversations being intentional about seeking out resources and things like that and 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 just learn, educate and unlearn and learn and all of sure. that. Sure. Yeah. Well, what I think is great about this, and um, I hope you agree, is that after everything that we've talked about, and we got, we actually kind of went in a, a, a deeper into a different direction than I intended us to, um, mm-hmm. uh, but I'm glad we did. Yeah. <laughs> is that I think we can both agree that because of the current social climate, mm-hmm. I do believe we're in a very transformative era. Yeah. And, oh, absolutely. And with, with that, there's so much excitement for what could come. But with that, we're, things are coming to the surface, not just in our community, but in with even with Black Lives Matter mm-hmm. and with, you know, um, all of the horrific uh, uh, incidents surrounding Stop Asian Hate and everything. All minorities, we're finally... Coming to the surface, and and even though it's painful right now, mm-hmm. there's an, the, I, this anal- I hope this analogy doesn't sound too simplistic, but it's almost like cleaning out your closet. It's gonna get, it's gonna look worse before it gets better, sure. but at least we're doing the work. Yeah, absolutely. It's like we're we're we're. I feel like we're in that moment where we are sifting through the muck of things, and we're we're people who were maybe blind to it before are finally getting. They're they're finally opening their eyes to, oh crap! I I I I never meant to be uh, racist or elitist, mm-hmm. um, but I never recognized my privilege. I never recognized my privilege mm-hmm. until recently, and I and I'm so glad that we're we're able to have these conversations because because I gotta say, even maybe ten years ago, these types of conversations wouldn't get the media attention that they're getting now. Right. Absolutely. And that's something that I think that younger millennials and the Gen Z generation need to understand is that they are, they assume that, that life was the way it is now. Right. Cause they've never known anything they've different. They've never known anything different. And they need to understand that, that times have changed fairly rapidly, especially over yeah. the last 15 years, mm-hmm. very rapidly. It was not that way before. And so it's just important that people need to understand that when they do go back and reference certain things and see the way certain people talk and whatnot, they're not intentionally necessarily being 
a certain way. It's just they're not intending to offend. It, it, exactly. It just we were. But not, it was just the social climate at the time. Social climate at the time, you know? and and so a lot of these concepts and ideas weren't even talked about. So it's like, right. you know, not in at least not in like a mainstream way. Way. So yeah. Yeah. I feel like even I mean, <laughs> this isn't as heavy as some of the stuff we're talking about, but just as a fun example, I'll reference Sex in the City again. Love. Is that, <laughs> we love it. I, I do love the show, but I remember watching one of the reruns uh recently and I have to say, no I mean no shade, but I have to say there were some jokes there that did not withstand the the test of time. Oh, for sure. There were there were some moments where the the way they treated the the Stanford character, the gay character, mm-hmm. they kind of treated him like that he was just their accessory. Right. And I don't I don't vibe with that anymore. But at the time, I guess it didn't bother me because the social climate was different. Right. I think that you know, I personally don't even enjoy that term fag hag or anything like that. Mm-hmm. I would never I would never call my my best girlfriends that. Right. Um, even when they mean it in a playful way. Mm-hmm. But we're in a this is the part that I get a little passionate and excited about as well, is that I think we're not just not just members of the LGBTQ plus community, but actual heterosexual people are starting to awaken to the fact that those types of labels are actually derogatory. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's funny. And you know, it's interesting that you bring up that term. Like, I don't call people that. I call, I don't, I don't like the term gay bestie. I'm not your gay bestie. I'm your best friend. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Right. And it's, it's interesting that you bring that up because, especially with the term fag hag, um, because. Which I've never used, just to be clear. Okay. I, I've heard I, people, I've heard people use it. Yeah. And it's okay if you have. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, sorry, no, sorry. you're fine. I was going to say, I, I, I have, but. Um, I'll not, cut that part out then. Not, Don't worry. So no. let's just start over. <laughs> well, I was to say, you know, bringing up the term fag hag. I, it's something that I did used to use. I, it's a term I used to use. I haven't used it in a long time. And if I ever did say it nowadays, I would definitely use it as a joke because it is, it's a silly term, right? It's dumb. And, it is a silly term. And we don't want to put weight on something that's just meant to be lighthearted. I'm yeah. just using that as an example yeah. of, it, it, Yeah, exactly. But what's interesting, and this is where I'm talking about like how things have changed so quickly, is I remember in 2009-ish, 2008-ish, 2009-ish, Lily Allen, really, it was a bonus track on one of her albums. It was a song called Fag Hag. And it, to, at the time, was super progressive and very inclusive about, you know, being so open about your gay bestie, right? And yeah. It was so, yeah, 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 yeah. And I definitely think that the, oh, look at my sweat stains. Sorry, it's hot in here. Ooh, <laughs> so, ooh, getting, out, getting hot now. Hey, <laughs> Look, I'm in the desert. Right? Right? I've got this jacket oh on. Oh, my so gosh. Yeah, I'm, in just, I'm in Vegas. I got the air blasting, though, right oh, now. Oh, good for you. Blasting. Good for you. And so, <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it's it's just, and I think that her intentions were good, and I still, and I, not that I listen to the song all the time, but like I, I when I do listen to that song, I definitely think it's tongue in cheek. And yeah. I think a lot of that gets lost too. A lot of times is that people don't understand tongue in cheek type of references the way that we used to, um, especially behind a screen and in a meme, right? It's not always translated well. Um, but that said, like, yeah, like it is, it's, I think it's, it, we are in a space now where people are realizing that those types of terms weren't, you know, it could be, could have been way worse, but they're not the compliment that they once were, you know, like it when people say, when, I think like when people say like, Oh, we should go shopping. Do we, do we, right. I don't want to go shopping though, with you. 
I am not the girl to go shopping with. Like, I personally do not like shopping. Sure. But I'm gay as... I'm gayer than Christmas at Bloomingdale's, but yeah. I do not go to I, I I like it, but it's not... But, like... I need to know exactly what I'm looking for. Ex- yeah. It's, and then get out. I don't... Yeah. I just get exhausted after shopping. Like, because when I go, like, I just... Like, a lot of times clothes fit me weird. So I'm in the store trying on things for, like, maybe two hours. I have spent times in the store like three hours trying on clothes just to make sure they fit yeah. me the right way. And sure. it's exhausting. But yeah, I, I just because I'm gay doesn't mean I want to be your shopping buddy. Sorry. Right. And, and, and again, we can, ign- I think you and I, um, what is that? They, you know, okay. There was a study. Um, you'll have to forgive me. I can't remember. I don't know if it was at Harvard or, or so, there was a, a, a sociological study done. And I, um, I can't reference properly the publication it came out in, but where they were talking about, you know, Generation X prior to us, then Millennials, now Gen Z, right? Mm -hmm. And they were talking about people uh, that fall into our age bracket, meaning me and you. Yeah. That were kind of a little bit the older Millennials, if uh, if you will. Mm -hmm. And, but we're so close to what the young Gen Z are. Mm-hmm. Or Generation X, excuse me, Generation XRs. Yeah. That they called, they called, there was like a five-year bracket where they called us Xennials. <laughs> because we were, because we were so, we, yes, we're technically millennials, but technology and society progressed so rapidly mm-hmm. um, during the millennial generation that it's kind of hard to, to, realistically lump us in with somebody who's like 24 right now. Sure. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Right. No, absolutely. It's so um, hard. Or even, even people younger, it's really, it's bizarre. Yeah. And I think, but I think the reason I bring that up is that I think that, and I'm not trying, I'm not trying to compliment us, but I mean, <laughs> girl, no, <laughs> I compliment me, compliment you. Compliment us. Go. <laughs> no, I just, I just think that we have, it's, you know, not 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 all of it has been easy for any of us, uh-uh. but I also think that it's a blessing that we have seen the progression and transformation in a way that I don't think any other, you know, ten year bracket age bracket of people have. No, you know, like I mean, like I still remember rotary dial phones. I yeah. mean, okay, right? <laughs> like yeah. you know what I mean? Like, yeah. and um, and I think that I think I mean, well, what do you? I'm going to ask you this opinion, but. But just even in regards to queer culture being widely expre- uh, accepted in the media, mm-hmm. um, I credit shows like Will and Grace. Mm-hmm. And, um, oh, God, now I can't think of another one. But yeah, I know there was more. But, I, I mean, I remember when I was a really, really young kid, and I remember watching Designing Women <laughs> yeah. with, with my mom. And there was, at that time, there wasn't, it wasn't common to have a gay character um, even definitely not as a regular on the show, but even as like a in in an episode in primetime network television. Mm-hmm. And I remember there was an episode of Designing Women where there was a character, like a walk-on role that um that was a gay character. And I just remember it really struck me. And then it, it wasn't until years later that we're finally we we have shows now that I think I think it's helped the I, I think it's helped people viewers uh understand more um the lifestyle don't you absolutely yeah and i think that i think that that is something that's really great with media and we don't give it enough credit for is that it really helps introduce ideas and 
different just different things to people and it's and it introduces them to a wide audience right so whether that's sure, through sure. tv shows or music um and i would say yeah shows like will and grace um shows like ellen pop stars like madonna and share mm-hmm. i mean who have very much catered and explicitly stated their uh their support of the lgbtq community and even way before it was like way popular before. to do so so to, yeah. so to, if i can toot my own horn for a second as far one yeah. of my favorite memes or pieces that i've cr- created um was a fairly is recent, it the madonna one it's the madonna one where yeah. where so there's the whole, i remember it the whole meme it's not really well yeah i guess it's a meme it's it's this meme where people say you know it's like she understood the assignment and it's usually like a pop diva being really fierce right well, I made one that said she gave the assignment, and it's yes, a bunch, you did, and I I loved it. And it I shared a, it, I think, a couple times. Yeah, and it's a it's like a bunch of clips. It's a it's a longer one. It's it's like a four minute clip or a piece, but it's a bunch of clips from Madonna that start back in 1991, explicitly stating her stance and support of the gay community, and again, and similar to Ellen, people didn't do that back then they didn't right they didn't, no it was very rare it and, was, it, and if they did it was as you mentioned before almost the death of their hollywood career absolutely and she was so adamant about preaching what she felt was right and what i think is right and you see her in all of these interviews and again it stems back to 1991 and i'm sure there might have even been some earlier ones but i couldn't find them but at least not a video i should say and um but she just keeps going. You see, as the years grow, she's just same stance. She's like, we need to accept the gay community. We need to accept people for who they are. And I, you, won't, you won't find another pop star or any other celebrity that was that explicit in their stance sure. with the sure. LGBT community until someone like Lady Gaga showed up. So I right. think, and you know, and I, lo- I know people love to compare Madonna and Lady Gaga, but I, that is something where I will say they are very similar in and Britney and Britney, but even yeah. Britney, I mean, Britney supports the gay community and she's, but I would say, but she also came out at a time, a little bit of a different time. Yeah. You know? Yeah. She's definitely, so, she's so like, I know what you, I under, I, I'm sorry. I just, I know what you mean. The reason to compare Gaga to Madonna. As oh yeah. yeah, yeah. I see what Britney. you're saying. I'm just, yeah. I'm yeah, just saying. I told, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I see what you're saying now. Yeah. yeah. And, um, but yeah, I, I would say they're, they're explicit. Um, outspokenness of, for the support for the LGBTQ community is unmatched by any other pop star. And, and I think that we need, it, it, that was really important for the gay community at the time and now. So, so let, okay. So let's talk about some more fun stuff. Okay. <laughs> I mean, this is all fun, but yeah. let's talk about some more like lighthearted gay pride party stuff. Let's do it. So the way, the way, the amount of passion that you speak about Madonna is how I feel about Cher. Like I Love. just can't even begin. Yep. yep. So, but just, just know mm-hmm. it's there. Right. I get, I so totally I was get it. dying over that. Um, the video you made recently where you put on um, Ariana Grande's uh, save your tears for another day. <laughs> and then you put, Share, save up all your tears. I I shared that like six times. Like, I <laughs> loved it. <laughs> yes, it was. Uh, it was for the for those listeners out there. I made a meme that says, "I love the memes where it's like your something and then my something." 
just so, to bridge that generational culture gap. Exactly. Yeah. And I and so I did, you know, obviously Save Your Tears the weekend featuring Ariana Grande remix is Which I do right love now. that song, yeah, but Cher Cher's my girl that I'm sharing tears yeah, for. Great <laughs> or song. saving tears for. Exactly. Yeah. So Cher has a song called Save Up All Your Tears. So just one day I was like, "Oh my gosh, this song doesn't get enough recognition." So I was like, oh, "This will be a fun you yeah. know, meme to share." So I'm glad that you enjoyed that. Yeah, I just I Bro, like- I loved it. And you know what? One of my other favorite ones that's running, uh, kind of racing to my mind is, <laughs> look, I'm laughing before I even tell the joke. Yeah. That's how much joy it brings me. I love it. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> is the, um, the one you made uh, when they finally announced, and I say finally because it, for, if, for anyone who remembers this, the most recent presidential election was uh, atypical. Mm-hmm. And we did not, we waited almost a week to know the results. Mm-hmm. Um, but was when you made the one, <laughs> the one about when Biden was announced the winner, and you you did something about like the the whole world celebrating right now, and you showed that it opened with that first clip of Moira Rose on Fusion oh, Street yeah. going, yeah, yeah, that's going, such, that good, is such good news. Like, fuck, I know. <laughs> and then it goes into a, like a supercut of all sorts of like celebratory yes. moments in pop culture. Thank you to Carly Rae Jepsen's "Cut to the Feeling," which we love. Love we that song. We okay. I almost want you to make. I almost want you to make just the beginning of that. Me. I mean, I'm not trying to tell me to do, but like. <laughs> Make this. <laughs> I almost want you to make that just at least that one little part of the clip of like that is such good news. Fuck, I know. Mm-hmm. Like when when you say something like I'm going on the Hey Girl show. No. <laughs> right. Oh my. Hey, that's an idea. Maybe I'll do that. I would love it. Maybe I'll do that. So I love it. Listen, I love it. What is um? We've I know we I know we've already talked. Madonna, share. We're into it. What is it about? I got just a couple more fun questions for you. I know we've been talking for so long, and you've been very generous with your time, and I'm very grateful. My pleasure. Um, but let's talk about some pop music. Like, what what inspires you other than Cher and Madonna? Because we've already talked about them. Yeah. Like, give me give me some of your other. I guess I would say. Let me make it a, a more direct question. Oh. Give me like your top, your other five, other five. Oh. Uh, inspirational uh, recording artists. Okay, well, I talk about this quite often <laughs> with friends, um, especially my friend Jeff, who I, I mentioned earlier, Jeff Beach. Um, hey, Jeff. He, hey, Jeff. Yeah, exactly. He's going to be like, hey, girl. He's going to be like, stop talking about me. <laughs> he's, he's <laughs> we need to get Jeff on the show. Yeah. He needs to, like, if this was a live show, I'd be like, Jeff, can you call him? Right yeah, now? he's no. going to be like, he's going to be like Regina George and be like, why are you so obsessed with me? Um, but, but didn't 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 Mariah say that too about did. Eminem? Yeah, right. Exactly. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Um, <laughs> like me and I feel like me and you have a very similar taste in music, and yeah, I love it. <laughs> yeah. So I so obviously I love Madonna. I love Cher. I love Lady Gaga. Um, Britney is a huge inspiration to me. I love her. I'm I'm a big pop music lover, and I've always been ever since I really started getting into music when I was tw- about twelve. And ever I've just loved big pop music. And people always love to knock pop music. But I'm like, no, pop music is culturally very important. Sure, the sure. songs can be frivolous. But I would say we don't give enough credit to a lot of songs, frivolous or not. But like these songs that are huge pop culture moments that have place in weddings, in going out with your friends, in, in having those nights out and ha- enjoying people and, and good times, you know? So, um so yeah, so Britney, well, yeah, those are the experiences that we 
that we remember. Like, yeah. what's that? What is that? Uh, that famous Maya Angelou quote where she says, "People will forget what you said. They'll forget what you did, but they'll never forget how you made them feel." Yes. And I think that I think that music, especially coming from, I mean, again, I come from a kind of a, a more of a marketing background. Mm-hmm. That's what we strive for Absolutely. when we're creating experiences for people. Is what is going to stick with their emotion? Exactly. And so with, uh, you know, I love a lot of pop singers and artists who create those feelings, right? So Britney is a good one. Um, I love Robin. I love... Oh, um, yes! Yeah, I'm obsessed with Robin. I love... Um, oh my gosh, now I'm like, like, oh, Kylie Minogue. Kylie Minogue is huge in my world. Um, I love Mariah Carey. Mariah Carey is also huge in my world. Like, you know, and people are like, no shit. But like... Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, it's not. It's not even cliche anymore because now there's so many younger millennials that are like Mariah, who? Right. Like, you know, yeah. They're like, isn't she that Christmas bitch? Like, right. Like, they're like, all they remember her for is all I want for Christmas, which, yeah. by the way, will never go away. And I just every wish- year we're going to be listening to that song it, exactly for the rest of our lives. Um, I which I'm not mad about. Um, I no, me neither, girl. I just finished her book, by the way, and it is phenomenal. I've, if you get a chance to listen to Mariah Carey's "The Meaning yes. of Mariah Carey," do it. It is you will not, it will not be disappointed. It's awesome. Oh, I'm so not mad it's about that. So I'm going to post a link to that in the episode too, so people can buy it. Yeah, because it's hey, girl. Listen Wait, to but the you audiobook. So can I say somebody that you didn't mention that I uh, that I just. Yeah, I have, over all I, the time. Yes, I have. Th- I have hundreds of favorites. I so. know you have yeah. more. I know. Yeah. I know. I'm sorry. Yeah. Good. Di- Janet. Oh my god. I'm like. First of all, it's homophobic that I didn't even mention her name. <laughs> like the functioning gay just just unraveled for a I, second. No, I'm kidding. It no. was a it was a full on hate crime that I did not mention her name. <laughs> um, I am. Can we talk about her for a second? I I'm talking about her all day. Let's go. I am <laughs> obsessed with Janet Jackson. Janet Jackson, okay. A lot of younger a lot of the younger listeners out there, you guys don't know. Janet Jackson was like Madonna level before the Super Bowl. Before that it even existed. Or yeah. before I mean, in a way. Yeah. yeah. But before the Super Bowl performance that we all infamously know, she was Madonna with the, level. With the wardrobe with malfunction. The, with the wardrobe malfunction. That event derailed her career for so long that so many people don't know her music. It's so disappointing. It's like so her, disappointing. And her impact on the industry, not just as a woman, but as a dancer, singer, performer, mm-hmm. fashion icon, like writer, like everything. And everything. Her stage presence is is I mean It's unfathomable. It's it's just there's nothing like it. She's incredible she's so graceful she she's another artist who very explicitly in her music um catered to an lgbtq fan base she has a song uh, a, so i'm all i love deep cuts i love artist deep cuts like we all know the hit singles we all know them but i'm like i'm like you know when you love someone when you know the deep cuts and on her velvet rope album she has a song called free zone that mm. is is all about you know, loving, accepting who you are. And it explicitly talks about same sex relationships. And she talks about bisexuality. In fact, there's a lot of bisexual, bisexual themes in that album. Um, But she, Janet is just 
absolutely incredible and does not give does not get enough credit for everything that she's accomplished and everything that she has influenced. She is amazing. Do you remember? Um, well, uh, you do because you just brought it up. But uh, in regards to the Velvet Rope tour, mm-hmm. so I remember. Um, I remember watching it on TV, mm-hmm. and the audience the audience needs to realize that. I mean, now, like, you know, nowadays we're so used to performers. Well, because we just have so much more accessibility and we have advancement in technology. Yep. But we're so used to seeing performers do behind-the-scenes type stuff, you know? Yeah. But back then, it wasn't common. Mm-mm. Like, you didn't usually get to see the Velvet Rope Tour on TV. I think it became an HBO special, but it was, like, one of the first ones they did of its kind. Yeah. So it was, you know, it's it was a big deal, right? I think, yeah. I mean, to be fair, I don't even think I had it. I don't even think my family had HBO. I think we, like, did a pay-per-view thing. Sure. Just so we could watch Yeah, it. yeah. And it was a big deal. And, and it was a big deal. And she she filmed that, the, the, the concert, because it was a tour, but the concert that they filmed for TV for the TV special was at Madison Square Garden. Yep. Um, and I just remember, like, you know how, like, when you're a kid and and you um you kind of just like lay on your stomach on the floor, but like like this, you know, like with your elbows on the floor, supporting yeah. your chin, supporting yeah. your head, and you're just because you just want to be as close to the TV as possible because you're just like sucked in. I think. I don't know if I, I don't know if anyone else was this way. Maybe I'm just a weirdo, but I just was like, I wanted to be as close to that energy as possible, even Absolutely. though it was coming through a TV screen, you know. Yep. Um, <laughs> and I remember just just being in awe of everything she did and yeah. everything the dancers did do. Because I I was a dancer for years, so um, oh, I, I was also looking at that. And yeah, I mean, she did so much. She did so much. She elevated so much. Mm-hmm. So yes to her. But now let's talk about, and I don't mean this to sound offensive, okay, in any way, um, to to the generation that's maybe the one generation a little older than us. Oh sure. <laughs> um, but but what do we think about some of the older queens? Are we are we into Barbara and are we into Diana <laughs> and Aretha? I have, Where are we at with that? Right, right. I have mad respect for all of them. But totally. as far as listening to their music, um, I know I don't know much of Barbara's discography at all, and that's no disrespect for her, to her. It's just the style of music that she sings does not, just doesn't resonate with me. Like, um, and then as far as Aretha Franklin, I know I know her like bigger hits, but I don't know her deep into her discography. And same with like Diana Ross. Although this is super random, um, I so I. I on top of pop music, I love dance music. And there is an artist called BT or named BT that I am absolutely obsessed with who did a remix of Diana Ross's Take Me Higher that is super hard to find now because so yeah. for, for all of uh, the audience out there, um, you used to purchase music from a store on a thing called a Oh, CD. yeah, you had to go to Harmony House or Tower Records. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You remember that? Sam, Sam Goody or like what was yes. called FYE. Yeah. Like, FYE, yeah. Wait, yeah. do you remember? This is great. Sorry. And I'll tell you mine, but you're going to go first. Yeah. Do you remember the first? Uh, well, for me, it was a cassette. I'm, I'm assuming it was the same for you, but uh, maybe it was maybe for you it was a CD. I don't know. What was the first 
album that you went and bought yourself that i bought myself because i was i was was gifted because again audience this is before you could scream shit right (laughs) you could screen uh stream i can't talk stream shit and then and also i used to do the thing you remember how i'm sure you did it too we would have our little boom two two deck cassette boom boxes where we would be trying to record the radio trying to catch oh. the song trying to catch the song we wanted just yep. so we could hear it again you know, I, right? I did that with the Backstreet Boys Black and Blue album they were premiering it on a radio station and I remember okay. like as it was being released to stores and so I remember like listening to the radio station I was like recording I was like I was like oh commercials are like, <laughs> like and, you, and you don't get the full song but you're still into it you know yeah. because you usually miss like that first couple seconds of yeah. it yeah so my first. But what was the first one you bought? First one that I bought. Oh my goodness! I don't know if I remember the first one I bought with my own money. I was a big, like I also on top of albums, I also bought a lot of CD singles as well. So I used to have a, a gigantic CD collection. I still do. I mean, I've given, I've like sold a lot or given a lot away, but I still have a relatively big collection for you know this day and age. Um, and I think that the first. So I don't remember the first album, but the first CD single, I bought two at the same time. It was Mariah Carey's Honey and um, the uh, Little Kim Not Tonight remix, like the Ladies Night remix that she did. Oh my God, I loved that one. A girl, I listen to that in my car all the time. It is a summer bop. It is a summer bop. It is. It's perfect. We need to bring that back. Little Kim, Angie Martinez, Lisa Left Eye Lopez. Uh, Debrat and Missy Elliott all in one song. Yeah, all in one. It was like, yeah. Oh my god, it was like that year or that decade's version of Lady Marmalade. Yes, remake. yes. The remake of Lady Marmalade. Yes. I Do- and you know my sister. I have an older. I have an older sister um, uh, that I've never really mentioned on the show. So hey, Penny. But oh. <laughs> um, her, she's like uh, like two years older than me. Um, and that was like her and her little squads theme song her and her girlfriends was ladies night you know what i remember but that version of ladies night you know um anyway i remember going to the store i had a little i had had a little gift certificate to harmony house love um and i bought the first cassette i ever bought was michael jackson dangerous and my sister bought because we both got like matching like gift cards for like a christmas or something you know yeah um, and she bought Paula Abdul Spellbound. Oh my god! Right? I mean, like we made some good. We were we we had those good are taste. Some, those are some good purchases. Yeah. Those are great. Then, both both great albums. Yeah, and then and then in regards to a CD, I do remember the first two CDs I bought. Um, one and it was Boys to Men two. Love. Okay. And and. Oh, sorry. Three. I bought three at the same time because I was I thought I was hot shit. Because you were like, because I'm, I, I am buying music today, bitches. Yeah. It, well, and I was also like, I am upgrading from cassettes right. to CDs. Yeah. Like you thought you were rich. For yeah, exactly. Reason, right? No, right? for sure. Absolutely. <laughs> it, mind you, I didn't even have a CD. I didn't even have like a, a nice CD player. I mm-hmm. had one of the portable CD players with just headphones, you know, right? Yep. <laughs> yep. Excuse me. And I, I bought three. I bought Boys to Win 2. Love. Ace of Base. Oh my god! <laughs> Love Ace of Base. And TLC, Crazy, Sexy, Cool. Oh my. Okay, so again, Jeff is going to be like, "You're obsessed with me," but he references Crazy, Sexy, Cool a lot. One of the best albums. So like, good. Ever. So good. Yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. So I so, love that. Those are so, those are great purchases. Also, Boys and Men Two, Water Runs Dry is probably one of my favorite songs of all time. I love that song. Okay, so you already just answered my next question, uh-huh. but which I love, great. <laughs> so then let me try and rephrase it uh-huh. um, to get a different answer. Okay. Only because you've already answered the one I was about to ask you. <laughs> is um. Well, wait, what were you going to ask me? I was going to ask you what, what what your favorite song of all time was. Oh, that's not my favorite song of all time. Oh, well, that, I yeah. thought you just said that. I missed No, it's, it's one of my favorite songs of all time. But, but What's your favorite song of all time? I don't know if I have one specific. One, yeah, it's hard. It's hard. All right, top three. Mm. Like, I, for me, I'm like, I could maybe do a top ten. <laughs> well, let me just, like, throw this out there. Always Be My Baby by Mariah Carey just holds such a special place in my heart. It is a summer song. It is, I remember loving that song. What I, like, I have very special memories attached to hanging out with my cousins and my aunt and my grandma. Sure. And like, just like sure. going on like family vacations and stuff like that with that song. So I love that. That is, and I always joke that it's going to be, if I ever get married, it's going to be played at my wedding twice in a row. Like, because I just need it that much, you know. Just so like, like, just like in Schitt's really, Creek when they got married. And yeah, yeah. It's like to really like <laughs> soak it in. Like I was like, it's such a great song. So I would, I would argue that that would probably be my favorite song of all time. Um, okay. But what are some other ones? Gosh, there's so many. Just give me two more. Two more. Um, I'm gonna try to throw out different genres. Um, well, with Madonna, there's a song, a deep cut called "Skin" off of Ray of Light. That mm-hmm. um, that was originally supposed to be, I believe, the sixth single off the album. They ended up canceling that in favor to release "Beautiful Stranger" instead. So, fun fact, yeah. fun fact. Um, okay, I love it. Love but that I song. also love that. Not to not to interrupt, but I also love that you and I both agreed that that was our favorite Madonna album was "Ray of Light." Yes, it's <laughs> it. Listen to it today. It's so good. Younger younger millennials, if you're listening, you need to check it out. It like, and I know timeless. I have listeners in like Saudi Arabia and like Croatia. Check it out. Yeah, it <laughs> is timeless. You will listen to it today, and it holds up perfectly. It does not it, to me. It does not sound. It, it, you know how sometimes you listen to albums and you're like, oh, it's great, but like it's very of its time, you know. But this withstood the test of time. Withstood all the, the way. test of time. It is the perfect. It is the perfect blend of electronica and dance music with like world music and rock and. Oh my gosh, such a good album. So Skin, and I love Skin because her vocals are very strong in the song. The production's incredible, and it just builds and builds and builds to be this like electronic club orgasm almost. It's like it's yes. it just, truly when you listen to it next, the song just builds and builds and builds. Like you, the drums and everything that's like happens. There are sounds that. Um, I think it was like Marius DeVries uh, was one of the producers on the song along with William Orbit. One of them had recorded sounds from Morocco to like put in the background of the song that you hear towards the end. It's really cool. So I love that song. That song is very special. Very, very All right. Cool. So give me one more. One more. Oh my God. I'm going to say, okay, it's a newer song and we talked about it already. I don't know if it would be like in the top three per se, but Cut to the Feeling by Carly Rae Jepsen holds a very special... Oh, I love it. I love a, it, It's yeah. a great pop song. It's so fun and uplifting, but the reason why it holds such a special place in my heart is that when I lost my dad, um, it was four years ago this May, um, when I lost him, he had his heart attack on May 24th. I'm sorry. And thank you. And t- I believe it was one or two days later, she released Cut to the Feeling. And I remember... 
a low quality slit snippet of the song was had leaked online about mm-hmm. six months prior. And I remember hearing it and being like, I need this song in my life now. And I remember, oh, I ev- love that. And I remember every week checking, you know, like new music and, and seeing if it was released and nothing was released. And it was never released. And so two days after his heart attack and two days. So, two, and then, so meaning two days before he died, that song came out. And I remember when I, I um, had to fly out to Arizona to kind of get, say my good, my, to say my goodbyes to my dad. And, I listened to that song, I'm not kidding you, the entire way there and the entire way back. This four-hour flight or however long it was, the entire – because I was just such as – it was my first time experiencing losing a parent and and hopefully the only time for a really long time. Um, But, yeah, I was just such a zombie that, like, I needed that euphoric, fun pop song. And it's – the the chorus is perfect, so – so if Carly Rae Jepsen, if you ever hear this, thank you for giving us that gift of your song. And that's a perfect example of how these otherwise frivolous prop pop songs can make such a huge impact, you know? Oh, I love it. I'm <laughs> like, I got like my heart, like seriously, when you said, told that story. And I, I, I'm going to tell you a story right now, which I will probably edit out because sure. I don't, it's about, this show is about you, but I just want you to know, yeah. like I can completely empathize. It was like when my mom passed, Five years ago as mm-hmm. well. Yeah. Um, I'm so sorry to hear that. Uh, thank you. But I remember, I mean, I was racing. I was racing to get from Vegas to, to Detroit. Mm-hmm. Um, she had been in hospice. So, I mean, we knew it was coming, but that's not, it, you're still never completely prepared, you know? Right. Um, and I was racing to get there. Um, Cause she, it was one of those things where, where I was already, I already had a flight scheduled for, I think a day or two later to go she declined so quickly and unexpectedly that it was like, no, 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 come now. And I, I remember just like rearranging things in real time the day of that and like got to the airport. Um, and as I mentioned, you know, share how much I love share. Uh-huh. And I don't know at the time, that's not a song you just hear randomly every once in a while, you know? Right. Uh-huh. And I was at the airport and they were, and they were playing share believe. Mm-hmm. And at the airport and I just felt like it was like that universe giving me like a hug you yeah. know because like, oh I was racing to go see her and, yeah. um, so oh I, I gosh, can I appreciate that story you know yeah so. absolutely it's like it's like the music gods were like you need this right now <laughs> you need your right, share right. it was like, you, it was like share, you know a hug from her share. or whatever and you know she she did she couldn't quite hold on before I got there mm-hmm. so I never Got so to be sorry. there in time. But I think that that was the way I interpreted that was that that was that moment of like, of, it was like, of yeah. just that loving moment of it's okay. I know you're coming. You're on oh. your way. And I need to let go now though. That's you know a, what I mean? That's really special. Yeah. I'm so, so sorry that that happened, but I'm glad that there was that you had that moment. Yeah, no, but we do. And and so here's the thing. And thank you for that, by the way. But here's the thing. I think that people, people, I know we, I know we don't as creative types and as uh, other artists that listen, listen to this show, mm-hmm. um, they understand it. But I, I want to point out that, you know, the healing power of music is, is so um, underrated and mm-hmm. under celebrated because yep. it, it really is a very healing 
emotional experience. It can give you the cry that you need. Mm -hmm. It can give you the laughter you need. It can give you the elation that you may be looking for in a moment. And it can just be celebratory. It's all those things. It's all of those things and more. Absolutely. It's, it is the sound. It truly is a soundtrack to your life. And yeah, and it's, and it's really awesome. So if you were, if, if you could pick one person to produce the soundtrack of your life, who would it be? Oh, <laughs> produce well probably Max Martin. Max Martin. Okay. Max Martin. Get it, girl. For those of you that don't know who Max Martin is, Max Martin is probably the premier pop music producer, and you know all of his songs, ranging from he's produced songs for Taylor Swift, uh, Backstreet Boys, uh, uh, Katy Perry, Britney Spears, Robin, um, Kesha. I, any gigantic pop song that you know, I mean, he's had, I think he's produced like over uh, the weekend's blinding, blinding lights. He produced that song. So, I mean, like it, he's it, top notch. So I would absolutely love and be honored to have Max Martin produce an album for me. <laughs> That'd be incredible. I love it. So, all right. Now, just to kind of start rounding things out, because we've definitely been talking for a while and I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed it. The, the time has flown by. Same. Thank but, you. <laughs> Um, with a functioning gay, yeah. with the brand, with the social media, tell, just tell me like, what, what is your vision? What is your mission statement? What is the purpose of this? It, it, what is it that you hope people take from what you, the content that you're creating? Oh, that's a great question. I, I, you know, kind of, kind of what we've just been talking about this whole time. I mean, I I think part of it is celebratory. I want to give people an escapism to laugh, um, to laugh or smile or be reminded of really great fun pop moments or fierce pop moments or whatever. Um, I also, I do want it to encourage education on certain social justice issues when I can. It's not necessarily my strongest suit, but I think it's important to help be a voice or amplify voices when possible. So if there's a, an opportunity there, I want that, that to be there too. But ultimately I want it to be a space where people feel seen or um, represented or just, you know, have a space that they can come to and, and just laugh without feeling like, I feel like there's so many, I mean, it, there is a part of humor that, you know, you like poke fun at people and stuff like that, but I don't want to be that account where I'm like tearing people down. I wanna, you want to be the uplifting humor. I want to be uplifting humor. Exactly. I'll tear down when necessary, but, <laughs> but, but I, but you know, but on the same token, some teardowns are, are still funny. Yeah. Even to the, even to the person you're tearing down. Absolutely. Like it, it has to be the right environment. Read the room, read the room, it, it, read the room. It's important to learn to laugh at yourselves. It's it, Jerry Hollowell and her solo album is a song called you're in a bubble. And at the very beginning, she's like, it's important to learn to laugh at ourselves. Don't take life too seriously. <laughs> girl, you, you better have some British accent there. girl. <laughs> oh Yeah. So yeah, that's, that's my hope for it. And, you know, I have some ideas with what I want to do with it and some, I'm talking with a friend about, um, I will also, you know, with all these shout outs, I need to give a shout out to my friend, Andrew Patty, who has been my person who I always show 
he's like my editor in a way. And I mean, I don't get paid for the, these accounts. So he certainly is not getting paid, but so he is giving me so much free time over the past year, helping me come up with captions or, you know, if he, I show him something and he's like, actually, this would be really great. Or we just bounce ideas off each other constantly. He's been a huge help. So um, he and I are in talks of actually potentially starting our own podcast. No offense. <laughs> um, no, I'm not offended. It, it, I, there's, I want us all to succeed. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Exactly. So, um, well, I, I would be, I would be thrilled to come on if you ever wanted me to. Come yeah, on. that'd be great. We'd love to have you. Um, yeah, it's, it's. I'm excited about it. It's something that is really brilliant i can't talk about it just yet about what the idea is but I, it's really exciting and i really hope we're able to do it because it's i when he when he told me about the idea because he and i have been bouncing the ideas off each other back and forth for a while about this now and one day he texted me and he told me what we should call it and i again i can't say it right now but it i laughed uncontrollably and i was like this is it this is this is our million dollar idea so we have to do it so I love that. Oh, yes, absolutely. Well, you know, you will always have the support of the Hey Girl podcast. Hey, girl. Anything that you do. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. This has been wonderful. Thank you for having me. Of course, absolutely. So I just want to, before we wrap it up, I want to give you just an opportunity um, to, to, to say anything. If you were to have any words of wisdom or guidance to anyone listening that is hoping to follow in your footsteps. Oh yeah. I mean, I guess be, be your authentic self and follow something that I've learned at a very young age. I don't know why or how I learned this. Follow your intuition, not to like be too jewel, but like follow your intuition and follow your heart. Right? Like it's, you know what you love and you know what you're passionate about and you know who you are. Follow that. And I know that we all come in different situations and scenarios. So be smart about it. I I don't want people to put themselves in situations that are unsafe, but you know, if you're trying to, you know, create a page that's, you know, for fun, do it. You know, if you want to do something, if you, if you feel like your identity is something that might be different from where your surroundings investigate and and try to pursue that if you can, you know, in, in the safe spaces that, you may have or seek out safe spaces. So I guess overall my, my, my message is be your authentic self and trust your intuition because you're, you're usually always right. (laughs) Absolutely. I really love that. Well, listen, thank you so much for sharing your time and your talent with, with us today because it, I've really enjoyed it. Well, th- it's, I, this has been my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. This is my, again, it's my first podcast experience. This has been an absolute delight. So thank you so much for having me. I feel so honored that you've even asked me. So, Well, listen, it's, it's, it's honestly been such a pleasure. I've loved getting to know you. Um, and I uh, am just thoroughly enjoy your content. Um, I think I said to you before we were even on the air that you, I, I think that your content brings me so much joy when I see it, even in that two to 10 second clip of whatever you create. Um, I hope you know that you touch lives. You really do touch lives every day. And, and we all know as, as cliche as it sounds, we all know laughter is the best medicine in any situation. There's no, there's no situation that can't be solved with laughter. 
and inclusivity and love. And I think that you are shifting the energy of our community in a bigger way than you may even realize. So bravo to you. And I'm honored that you came on the show. Thank you so much. That is like the biggest compliment. I, I appreciate that so much. That's that I, I, I had no idea that I would touch the lives the way that I have. So that means so much, Bill. Thank you so much. Awesome. No, it's all you girl. So listen, if you like what you heard, um, <laughs> I have to do my little shameless plug here. <laughs> plug it. If you like, yeah, if you like what you heard, uh, go ahead and hit that subscribe button. Um, new episodes every Friday. I am, again, thrilled and honored that we had Zach on today from A Functioning Gay as our debut episode of our Pride series. Uh, check us out at Hey Girl podcast.com girl is spelled with a u we have merchandise we also have music monthly musical playlist uh thanks to our friends at spotify so you can always check out those out and listen to them any time of the day whether you're working out or cleaning the house or in the car or other things <laughs> and, and um there's just lots of fun additional things on there more than uh the actual podcast itself I love you. We all love you. And actually, let me take one little side note. Zach, can I, since we share such a love and passion for pop music, would you be willing to create our July playlist? Oh, sure. That'd be great. Okay, girl. Yeah. Do we so have a, you, is there a theme in mind? It's whatever you want, boo. Love. Okay. So you have creative <laughs> control. Me. So you heard it here first, ladies and gentlemen. Um, The the Girl Pride playlist did just drop yesterday uh, from a dear friend of mine, uh, Dr. Peter Bonifato. So check that out. That is on the website now. And Zach from A Functioning Gay will be creating our July playlist. So there's a lot to look forward to. And I really just love you all, girls. I hope you have a really fabulous and safe weekend. And Zach... I think you're amazing. So thank you. You're amazing. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful, wonderful weekend. Absolutely. All right, girl. 